Hey, I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz, and we host the weekly sports podcast show called Run It Again. We'll take you beyond the daily sports grind with an investigative look inside the game with insightful information and charismatic storytelling all through the lens of critical thinking. In this episode, we'll discuss the potential head coaching vacancies around the NFL. Plus, Mike will give us his top performer of the week. Don't miss this week's episode of Run It Again. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Fangirl Playbook. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, joined as always by my co-host, Stephanie McCarroll. We have not recovered from Monday Night Football's Game of the Year, and we want to talk about it. We relive the night that was, Lamar's cramps and all, before previewing the NFL's Week 15 and all the playoff implications that accompany it. Then Steph and I are back to Dylan for love, second chances, and Pantherama on Friday Night Lights. Let's go. All right, Steph, we have to start by talking about that very wild, super fun Monday night football game, easily the game of the year between the Browns and the Ravens. I mean, potentially one of my favorite football games ever. <laughs> it was a very hyped <laughs> up game. It was so exciting. So many storylines weaved through. Um, it was it was great. It was a great football game. Such a good football game. I was going to say that it was definitely one of the best primetime football games that I've seen. I know this year, but it, it was really up there even from years past. I just had, it was just a really fun divisional primetime football game to follow. I, I enjoyed it and it was good to see it again. It really was. And so it was basically, you know, a shootout throughout the entire game. And mm-hmm. then in the second half, uh, Lamar Jackson left with cramps, which <laughs> Twitter had a field day yeah, with yeah. what Lamar may or may not have actually been doing and what was causing the cramps. Um, he is insistent that yeah. it was just cramps and that he did not have to go to the bathroom, but Twitter had such a field day with this. But then with two minutes left in the game, so Trace McSorley came in to replace Jackson. He went out with a, a knee yeah. injury and, and hopefully he is okay. Um, but as he went out, literally two minutes left in the game, Lamar comes running out of the field. It was all very dramatic. Very he comes running out on so. the field and then comes in and is, immediately throws a touchdown pass <laughs> to um, Hollywood Brown, who had dropped a number of passes. So yes. it was uh, good that he redeemed himself. And so there, that, I believe, tied the game. Did that tie the game? Yes. That tied the game. And then the Browns came in, couldn't get anything done. Then the game was essentially won on a Justin Tucker field goal. And it was 45-42. And then with two seconds left, the Browns, I mean, I think the best way to describe it is they played hot potato with the football. And it was it was being thrown from person to person, but then going in the wrong direction and falling down. And then eventually um, – there was a safety. Yeah. <laughs> they got tackled in the end zone. And so Baltimore ends up winning 47 to 42. But the whole thing, it was just great. And the other thing that was cool is it's it. I mean, it, the Ravens are still in a little bit of a tough spot playoffs wise because yeah. they do currently hold the eight seats. So if the playoffs started today, they would not be in the playoffs. And so essentially, I think they really need to win out. Um, and so you know, that's going to be, they have, they're playing the Jaguars this weekend. So they're off to a good start on the winning out thing, but um, <laughs> hopefully for them, <laughs> it's very, very much possible. And I, I like the Ravens. So I am, I'm pulling for them to, you know, get it done, but um, they've essentially have to win out. So, but you know, it's a potential playoff matchup. Uh, but then we saw, I mean, the AFC is really shaped up to be a hell of a conference. Yeah. And so on Sunday night, we saw, a potential playoff matchup, of course, with the Steelers and the Bills. Uh, the Bills coming out very much on top and are looking so good. I mean, just getting so hot at the right time. The Steelers have now lost two in a row, yeah. moving them to the second seed in the AFC playoffs. The Chiefs now have the first seed. And as we've talked about week after week, only one team gets that first round by. So I think what's going to be very interesting to see in the coming weeks are the teams that are – have playoff spots that are in the middle that in the past would be playing for seating. Right. Maybe not so much now. Now are you going to start resting starters? Guys that have been battling injuries, you start to pull back on that because now they don't. I'm not saying like losing on purpose or anything like that, but just the idea that playing for seating isn't what it was. And so now getting your guys fresh for the playoffs, I think just becomes the priority. 
Yeah, for sure. I had um, the Steelers, you know, really going pretty far. But these last two games that they've played in, it's just, you know, their run game doesn't work. Their secondary doesn't cover. You mm-hmm. know, um, it seems like Roth. Westberger can't drive the football like he's normally done. Their offensive line has run blocking problems. And it's just, uh, well, that you know, sounds like a recipe for disaster. Yeah. It's just, they're in a bit of a free fall for going from this, like, you know, unbeatable, you know, insurmountable team to one I hadn't recognized all year. So I'm not sure if Mike Tomlin can turn this thing around, but he's got got to. And I think he, if there's anybody that can, it's him. I mean, it's uh, – but, it, you know, it, it's interesting. I thought they'd play a lot better. And while they look like they're going in a free fall, the Bills are starting to look somewhat unstoppable. Yeah. Of course, nobody is unstoppable, and that is something – We've learned in years past, and especially with this season and everything that's going on, because you never know from one day to the next what can change on a team. But Josh Allen is looking, dare I say it, elite. Start quarterback-ish. <laughs> elite, using the E word there. Oh. Um, as he's looking, at least he's been playing elite the last two games. I'm not going to give him elite quarterback status just yet, but he certainly is playing at a tremendously high level. Let's give him that. And I he's, think he's legit. He's legit. And he does look like a star quarterback. And you have Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley basically just putting on route running clinics, you know, in these games right. and looking uh, fantastic. And I, the Bills look really good. They're, you know, most likely going to win the AFC East. Um, I know it's not a, a done deal yet, but chances are it certainly looks that way. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't know. And then you have the Chiefs who didn't play their best game the other day. Patrick Mahomes actually looked human for mm-hmm. a few drives there, but they still managed them. But of course, down by 10 in Miami. Just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had tweeted and I do apologize for Niners fans, but I had tweeted that somewhere in the fourth quarter of this game in Miami, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is going to remember he's Patrick Mahomes. And many of my 49er fan friends did not appreciate Ooh, that tweet. But, I missed you know, it. I missed yeah, it. Well, Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Maybe it's for the best. But listen, guys, they call him like I see him. And, it, and I was right. I mean, he did. He It was before the fourth yeah. quarter. But he did, you know, remember he was Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, you have other teams that are looking hot, but the Bills in the AFC look hot. And then I think let's talk about the Browns for a second. Well, actually first for a moment, before we do that, I want to talk about kind of so the what this weekend in, in week 15 looks like. And we start to get Saturday football this weekend, guys. So it's like, I mean, it's so funny because this season we've had football on so many days of the week. Right. So I don't know if it's it has this day. feel. But, Tuesday um, night football. <laughs> yeah, Tuesday night football, Wednesday afternoon football, Monday afternoon football. So we have all these, we've had football so often but uh, we do start getting Saturday football this week. So, you know, we're in the in. Well, as Taylor Swift did say, it's tis the damn season. So that's where we are <laughs> on that one. Uh, so the Bills are going to be playing the Broncos this weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. So they should win that game without without much problem. Uh, we talked about the Ravens are going to play the Jags. The Steelers are on Monday night football against the Bengals. I mean, honestly, like this is how they play against the Bengals. Is, it sounds so silly, but this is like a test. Like they should... If they don't dominate the Bengals, they're in serious trouble. Yes. I'm going to go with yeah, that. Um, I, would, I mean, they should win the game, but if it's even the littlest bit close, I think they're in trouble. Like they need to dominate. They need to come out in prime time. Again, it will be against the Bengals. So even if they dominate, everybody's going to say, well, they were playing the Bengals, but it's still like they need to kind of make that statement that they, they mm-hmm. can still do that. So um, they have them. The Dolphins, who are right now in the seventh spot, who have the final AFC wildcard spot, are playing the Patriots this weekend. And I think that is going to be a pretty – I mean, I'm curious on that one. I think the Dolphins are certainly the better football team, but uh-huh. – you know, it's one of those weird games. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just very, it's like, remember last year when the Dolphins beat the Patriots yeah. uh, at the end of the season? Um, it's one of those weird games. I do expect the Dolphins to win it, but basically the Ravens not only need to win out, but they're going to need a little help. So it's just kind of interesting to see how these things play out in the coming weekend. Yeah. I mean, the Dolphins have had a bit of a rough go, but mm-hmm. I do think Tua shook off a little bit of that slow start that because he, yes. he, Ten, this is what I've noticed since I've been watching him like three weeks. <laughs> but <laughs> the, but three, it's like three week deep dive yeah. analysis. <laughs> but like he 
he starts off slow and then he gets going, you know? So, mm-hmm. but you can't do that in the NFL. <laughs> like you got to go <laughs> and you got to start and it, you know, it's not something you can just warm up. And that's sort of how he is. So he kind of shook that off. And I thought that was, even though they lost, they're playing the chiefs, but I liked that he was up and going, you know, like he was getting it together. So I think it's growth. I guess is my point. I think it's it's rough. That's fair. Yeah. And I hopefully he he continues to do so. I'm pulling for the kid. I am pulling for him too, but I realize now that I'm in a little bit of a quandary because uh, I do really like Lamar Jackson and I would Mm -hmm. like to see the Ravens make the playoffs. But I also have been really pulling for the Dolphins because of the way they've turned it around and because of Tua. And I think Brian Flores is such a great coach. And now I realize I don't think I can be pulling for both of them, Steph. I think I have to choose. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you have to choose. But like, I, I don't really care either way, but I'm hopeful for both. I, okay. I guess they have pros and cons. I, like, I'm not going to lose any sleep. Whoever wins. (laughs) I'm not going to lose sleep, but I am now in a bit of a quandary, guys. And I'm going to have to put some, I can't make a decision right now. I need to put a little bit of thought into this and I have to weigh my pros and cons on who I'm rooting for and why. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I'll get back to you next week on the decision I've made. Well, and then we'll have, we'll have the game. We'll know if it's even worth it. (laughs) We will see, but I feel like it is going to be worth it because as I mentioned previously, the Ravens are playing the Jaguars and the Dolphins are playing the Patriots. I think both teams are going to win this weekend. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know I said earlier that it's like a weird game with the Patriots, but I go back to the Steph McCarroll line of thought on looking at matchups, and I think the Dolphins are going to match up better. Uh, so, yeah. oh, very curious. Well, let's see how it goes this weekend, and then I can we can reconvene um, next week and discuss. Uh, I want to discuss the Browns who, you know, last night's game was one of those games that it was like, it wasn't like, Oh, same old Browns. Like that was just a very hard fought tough game between two good football teams. uh, And what a heartbreaking loss. So the Browns are now Sunday night football against the New York giants. Originally the 49ers and Cowboys were the Sunday night football game for obvious reasons. That game got flexed out of Sunday night football because Right. Well, I don't really think I need to explain it. I think we all know. Uh, and then the Browns and Giants got flexed in, which is really funny because obviously the Browns have been playing great and and are going to have a winning season and and all of those fun things and are you know most likely going to make the playoffs here. The Giants are now one game behind in the NFC East race. So it just became kind of a game that when the season started, no one was like, oh, that Browns-Giants game is definitely getting flexed in for Dallas and San Francisco. Um, right, so it's kind right. of just, it's uh, it's funny. But so um, I think we've seen, you know, we've seen a really good Cleveland Browns football team in, you know, a situation. I think a, a place where the game really changed was that Baker-Mayfield interception, mm. um, which put Baltimore right back in the game. Uh, and... That you know may have been the difference maker. I mean, there were a lot of difference makers, a lot of things yeah. that happened in that game, but that was a real that was a turning point. That yeah, but, that put Baltimore yeah. back, you know, right back in the game. And they were down, I want to say by two scores at that point. Um, but don't hold me to that, guys, because I don't have like the play by play in front of me. But I think yeah. they were I mean, it was um it's I think what has really kept the Browns going this whole season is their defense is really good and oh it's so good but it kind of fell apart against the Ravens and you can't really do that and as you go to the playoffs you'll learn that real quick is that their defense has to be on point because that it just can't happen so um that's how how I don't know it's uh that's what I thought I was like this this team it was a really high scoring game but I felt like they fell apart and they shouldn't have done that. So that's how they lose games. That's exactly how Browns lose games. And, and that, and in fairness to the Browns, I'd say that's how anybody loses games. Um, And and I think it's going to be a good one. It's their strength and it's going to be a, I don't know if lesson is the right term, but they've got three games to kind of figure that out and, and get into the playoffs. And they're, you know, I think, it's very exciting. They're going to the playoffs for the first time. I want to say since 2002, though I may have that a little bit off, but um, it's been a, it's, it's been a long time. Let's put it that way. And 
I think they probably want to not get knocked out in the first round. So they are going to have to, you know, shore that up and figure that out. And then I think also like Baker Mayfield can't make those kind of mistakes. And he, in fairness, he had not actually thrown an interception um, in several games prior, but that's, you know, in big time games, you know, last night was basically a playoff game. It had a playoff feel. You had two solid football teams. You had teams that matched up well. uh, And it, you know, it came down to just who had like fewer mistakes at the end. And you can't, you can't do that. So I think that's kind of uh, something that they're going to have to look at generally. Like where did things fall apart um, as they move forward? This game against the Giants, I mean, the Browns are certainly the better football team. uh, And I think similar to the Steelers need to come out and, and really dominate. And I, the Giants are certainly better than the Bengals, but um, <laughs> I do think that the Browns have to kind of come out and regroup because it's also a tough way to lose. You know, it's a, that's yeah. a, a tough loss and then they're going to have to travel. And these, you know, these aren't major things, but they, you know, it's a Monday night shootout, then they lose, then they travel, you know, all this stuff kind of adds up, especially at this point in the season. So there's going to have to be some regrouping. And I think we're going to see like how mature are they, how much have they grown? Um, and so it'll be, you know, good to watch. So, you know, I love to do my favorite if the playoffs started today. Um, so we'll do that with the AFC and the, we'll do the NFC. So guys, if the playoffs started today, the chiefs would have the number one seed. Steelers would have the number two seed. The bills would have the number three seed. Then it would be the Titans then it would be, I have all of this, you guys written down on various sheets and just, so don't mind me. That'll be the Titans. Then it would be the Browns. Mm-hmm. Then it would be the Indianapolis Colts. You know, my guys love, I can't believe I didn't have that just right off the top of my brain. <laughs> my Indianapolis Colts. Uh, and then it would be the Dolphins and the Ravens, right. as I said earlier, would not be in the playoffs. Uh, the Colts play the Texans this weekend. So, uh, which is funny. The Texans are four and nine and the Colts are nine and four. I always find that kind of thing funny. I don't know why <laughs> numbers opposites. I don't know. Um, so that's what we have going on in the AFC now over to, I'm sorry. Yeah. In the AFC. So now we're going over to the NFC where the green Bay Packers have overtaken the number one spot from the new Orleans saints. Now I would say this green Bay Packers team I'd like to hear if you agree, is much better than last year's Green Bay Packers team, who I felt was like the weakest, you know, where they were in the playoffs. Like I, when they when they came to play the play, uh, the Niners in that NFC Championship game, I I knew they were just going to get beaten right. down and yeah, dominated. And so, and I think this Packers team is a much better football team than last year's team. I think that they're consistent. And they're yeah. able to just, they do what they do. And some things are, are really good. And then, and they have the, you have Aaron Rodgers, who's just obviously, he, I mean, consistent, but they also were able to get their run game going. They were able to, you know, improve on defense and, all, and, you know, their receivers have really shown up. So I have to say that I, you know, I agree with you hundred percent. I think that, they are better than they were last year. And it, it kills me because obviously I go back. You, everybody knows I'm a 49er fan, <laughs> but yeah. it kills me because I think that the 49ers had a shot here. This I felt like this is a missed, missed opportunity season. And that happens with, you know, injuries and all that stuff. You know, just seeing that the Cardinals are the seventh seed at seven and six is crazy to me. Well, and I think when it comes to, you know, the 49ers are does, and we talked about this somewhat last week, like there just cut, does come a point where you have so many injuries and so many people playing in positions where they sh- were never meant to be playing. And, you know, Nick Mullins gets beat up on big time, but I would say in fairness to, I mean, the, the Niners need to upgrade at that QB two position. And I, I still think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starter next year. So, do but they, I there's do. A lot, I, there's a lot of uh, talk that it's otherwise. I just, I just, that's just my gut feeling. It's not based on anything. Like it's not an inside info thing. It's not, I just think he's going to be, I just, that's my gut feeling is that he will be the starter next year. But I do think they need to upgrade at that QB two position. And I think they'll draft a quarterback and I think they'll draft a quarterback relatively high who would potentially take over that starting position, but not week one of next year and maybe not even next year. 
Um, the, we have miles to go before we sleep on that one, but you know, that is my feeling on that. But you know, you have Nick Mullins, who's not, he's not meant to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's meant to be like a serviceable backup who comes in when needed, but not meant to be the starter. And I think what we've seen, you know, in a number of these 49ers losses and what's been frustrating is, you know, you can't, a lot of these games, they would have won with Garoppolo. Like no matter what you think of Garoppolo, no matter what you think, if not you, but the universal you or you right. either way, um, <laughs> um, whether they, you know, they could do better or they should have this one. Either way, there are a lot of these games that you know he would have won. Uh, and I think that's what's frustrating. But generally, there are just so many injuries on that team. And they've, I mean, not been able to catch any breaks. And they're, they've had COVID issues. You know, it's just, it kind of is, unfortunately, it is what it is. It is. It's a lost season in that way. And mm-hmm. hopefully next year, hopefully will be better. Um, I've never seen so many like high ankle sprains on one team in one season in my life. So I don't know what I don't, but I don't think, I think that's just bad luck. Like, I don't know that there's like anything, you know, I don't, I don't think that the four hours just have weak ankles. Like I just think it's bad luck. And (laughs) you know, in those, and that game, you know, that, that game against the jets. I mean, that's, you know, I tweeted weeks ago that the 49ers season really ended in week two. Like if we're being honest, it ended a week two. They lost Bosa. Two plays later, a play later, they lost Solomon Thomas. Garoppolo injured his ankle in that game. And they've never been the same. And, that, and no. all of that stuff, you know, kind of just it trickled from if there. If it had ended there, it, you know, they may have had a, a shot. But um, it didn't. You know, it, kept it didn't. Well, and I think you can't lose, you can't lose your star defensive game-changing player and your quarterback in the same game. And yes, Garoppolo yeah. kind of came back, but he's never been, he was never right. good. I- and, you know, Shanahan said, Raheem Mostert had said this last week and Shanahan said yesterday that the Garoppolo's high ankle sprain was much worse than anybody else's and it was much more severe, which is why surgery was was on the table and it turned out he didn't need it, but no one else surgery was never on the table, which is a matter of it getting better. And with him, you know, they weren't sure. So it is, um, it's unfortunate, but there's always next season, which is a fan's greatest <laughs> hope. <laughs> it's like the, that's what a fan can always say. There's always next year. Um, so back to the, uh, NFC and the playoff race. So the saints are now the number two spot. So in theory, they could be getting Drew Brees back this weekend, which would make a really big difference from them for them. I don't know that they're going super far with Taysom Hill. I don't think so either, but I'm impressed that they're, you know, staying, you know, I I don't know. They're They're staying in it for sure. I mean, they're still the number two seed. They're not exactly like, they're not like falling out of that. It's not like, Oh my gosh, you're not going to make it. Uh, They're still the number, they're still the number two seed, but um, they actually, this should be a fun game. They play the Chiefs on Sunday. So I, mm-hmm. I hope Drew Brees is healthy because the Mahomes-Brees matchup sounds super fun to watch. And then I think you're looking at this has the potential, of course, again, depending on Brees, but it has the potential to be a Super Bowl preview. Saints are – Brees is healthy. The Saints are a really good football team. Even without Brees, they're a good football team. But with Brees, you know, they're, they're one of the top teams in the league. So I think this has – this is going to be a fun game to watch, uh, and it has Super Bowl preview written all over it. So <laughs> we'll see. Um, then, of course, we have the Los Angeles Rams, who uh, looks good again. Really, it's just the 49ers seem to be their Achilles heel. I know. Um, that seems to be <laughs> the only thing that that really brings them down. Uh, and they certainly haven't been perfect, but they're winning. Eight, and when and you four. talk about defenses, 9-4, and four, you look at – I mean, they have – probably the defensive player of the year, potentially the guy who should always be it, uh, and Aaron Aaron Donald, and you, and you see what that defense is doing. And, yes, they're winning. They're making it work. They play the Jets this weekend, so I think they have a pretty solid shot of winning that game. Uh, so, yes, they're 9-4. and four. So the Seahawks are are currently also 9-4. and four. They would be the five team. Now, the Seahawks have an interesting matchup this weekend, uh, mm-hmm. Steph. They are playing – the Washington football team, who is now on a four-game win streak, I believe, um, playing well. That defense, talk about a solid yeah. defense. Uh, and Chase Young is, ju- I mean, 
I he's know. just a star and he's going to be a star. Um, he's just, he's really incredible. So this Seahawks game, it's an interesting game. I mean, I understand that the Seahawks, you know, are a, probably, a, I mean, they are in theory a better, certainly their record shows they're a better team than the 49ers, but they've been struggling of late. Um, and Washington's looking good. I mean, they've now beaten the Steelers. They beat the Niners at four game win streak. So this is not going to be a cakewalk for Seattle. Uh, and assuming the Rams can beat the Jets, this becomes a really important game for Seattle to win. Yeah, for sure. I I think they're, well, they're in that territory where, I mean, they're going to go to the playoffs, but they also want to get a decent, you know, playoff picture. So th- those games are going to start mattering if they don't already. You know, I haven't done yeah. the math on it, but, you know, you 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 look at it and you that's something that you definitely want even to win against the Washington football team so that you can get home field. You know, there's all kinds of little things that you want to like that are going to play into it. So yeah, I think that they're going to want to win that if they, if they want to go any for, you know, far, because it looks like they would be playing Washington in a playoff picture. If um, like, if it ended today, if yes, and they, and they'd be playing in Washington because Washington would be the division winner. Um, and oh, we said, you know, right. we talked and we talked earlier about, you know, seating. And I, you know, I said like, it's not because there's only the one first round by, but of course there is the point that you still can't have home field advantage, which you would prefer, especially if you're not getting a bye week, you certainly don't want to have to travel. So seating certainly still does matter. It just has the implications I think are slightly different than they've been in the past, but yes, the Washington football team is going to be an advantage because if they do in fact make the playoffs, it'll be because they won their division. So they will have the home field, no matter who they yeah, play with right. a whole thing in itself and probably a discussion for another time, if that should be the case, but right now it is. Um, so there's that. So let's play my favorite game. If the playoffs started today in the NFC, it would be Packers one Rams two. I'm sorry. Packers one saints two Rams three Washington football team four. Seahawks five, Buccaneers six, and Cardinals seven with the, who has that potential eight spot I have? Oh, actually, this is sort of interesting. Eight is the Vikings and nine is the Bears with the identical records in the NFC North. You know, neither of those teams are great or going anywhere super fast, but they play each other this weekend. So um, that will have implications, but I don't know. I don't think that, you know, I don't know if they're going to make it. I was just thinking, and if the Seahawks win and say the Cardinals lose or the Rams lose, they could be the division winner and they right. could be hosting. They're like, they've got to win this. Like, if they really want to be serious, <laughs> they they actually both the Rams and Seahawks uh-huh. really have to win because yes, the NFC, NFC West is still very much up for grabs That's between alive. those two yeah. teams. So I think this becomes each game for them becomes really, really important. Um, the Cardinals like, just are fighting, I think, to stay right, alive in, in on the wild card race. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're playing, they will be playing the Eagles this weekend. The Jalen Hurts-led Eagles, who we talked I about know. this That's last so week, crazy. and he played a really good game, I think. Really good. I think we might be seeing the end of the dun, Carson dun, Wentz dun. era. <laughs> da, 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 da. So we'll see. Um, I don't know. You know, this is one of those that, kind of on paper looking at previous games you would think the Cardinals win this game but it's not a slam dunk so um it's a lot of you know interesting things that happen here in the NFC as as things start to take shape I think the AFC has a little more uh shape taken so to speak in terms of who (laughs) is most likely going those that last spot maybe not but things are starting to kind of come together in the NFC there's still a lot of moving parts so it is another big weekend of football. Like I said, we got, it'll be Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, all the football you can handle. Personally, I'm very excited about it. Um, so that is what's going on in the real world of the NFL. Now <laughs> it's time <laughs> to move on to like transition. <laughs> yes, that's the real world. Now we go to the pretend world of football, <laughs> uh, where we head back to Dillon, Texas for Pantherama. So we, uh, as you guys know, last week we like, there was so much to dissect. We took a, a break from Friday Night Lights. We are back, Steph. We are in season two, Pantherama. 
Um, and we're about halfway through season two because there are only 15 episodes. And I know you guys hear me say this every time because of the writer's strike and the season <laughs> ends early. Uh, so this is an episode. It's so funny because I, you know, obviously rewatched the episode. I also read a review of it from way back when. And mm-hmm. the writer said that it felt a little bit like a filler episode, you know, which happens sometimes in TV, those like ones in between. So it's interesting because for the writer of that review in 2007, this probably totally felt like a filler episode. But for those of us who've watched the this rest of the season and beyond, and I won't give anything away because that may not be everybody listening to this podcast right now, but we realize, I will say this, there's a few things in this episode that happen that do have consequences. So um, I'm going to start with Tim, actually, our good, our good buddy, Tim Riggins. So Tim Riggins is home and Billy comes home with the next door neighbor, his girlfriend now, the one that Tim was sleeping with for a little while. It's so weird. And I was also thinking this when I was watching it. I was like, you know what? Tim's in high school. So totally understand that this was not a long-term plan for her. But it's not like Billy is like some 30-year-old guy who's got his life together. Like he's not that, I mean, he's a few years older than Tim. Um, And I think she's supposed to be 36. And so it doesn't matter at all in terms of like the age. I mean, the high school thing was weird because Tim's in high school, but like, you know, the age difference isn't the thing, but the, it's the idea that like Billy is this like super mature guy who's got his life together and is like such a better option than Tim. It's just very strange, but um, yeah, it's weird. It's very weird. <laughs> well, like, I get that she may have made a mistake with Tim because he's kind of dreamy. And yes, you know, he's kind of dreamy. He is but, dreamy. <laughs> you know, and, you know, she was whatever, you know, very, you know, in a bad place. And, you know, I, you know, I get, you know, she made a mistake. And that's a pretty big mistake. But yes. then to date his brother and then to go over there, all that, it's just like, good. God, lady. Yeah. Like, good God. And she has a child who, yeah. by the way, we've like never seen again. Right. We only saw him when it came to Tim. We've never seen him again. And what are you doing? You do have this child. And um, it's just the whole thing is like a little bit weird. And yes, the, the fact that then then she would decide Billy was the answer. It just doesn't make any sense on like so many levels. Um, but so, so they come in and so she's over there all the time. And Tim's like had it. So he packs his stuff and he's leaving. And so he goes to Tyra's and Ty- and she says she- that he can stay on the couch and that he's got 48 hours to find somewhere else to live. <laughs> she's hilarious. She is. She's really funny. And she's like, don't you even dream of going near my, my bedroom? And he's like, I wouldn't dream of it. And then, you know, she gets mad at him. Um, but so he gets to stay there for two days and you know, like on hour 36, as she says, she comes home and Mindy's like got her legs on him and they're talking. And so she says to Tim, like, do not sleep with my sister. And also like, you need to find a place to live. So Mindy recommends, um, a guy she knows who needs help taking care of his animals. So Tim goes over to his place and he, he doesn't want to live with this guy, but this is the storyline that does have implications like for a while. And I mean, actually some of this is as implications like through, I mean, you could almost make the argument through the entire series. Um, So it's a pretty, it becomes important, but I could understand why the guy writing the article in 2007 was like what happened in this episode. Um, So that's kind of where we are with Tim. Julie is still very upset about Matt and Matt and his new girlfriend are, PDA or into PDA as, as Julie puts it all over Dylan high. Um, and she helps him go buy a car, the new girlfriend. She like knows all about cars apparently. And, uh, she takes him, she helps to buy a car and she helps him to get a really good deal. Uh, and their relationship is progressing, but you can kind of tell that she's super, super into it. And Matt likes the attention, but isn't maybe quite as into it as she is. And he's also a little distracted, which we'll get to in a minute. So amid all this, uh, Julie starts to write for the paper and there is a new teacher who is, um, you know, part of the, who kind of runs the, the journalism program, so to speak at Dylan high. And he's very young and good looking. And actually when he first meets Tammy, she thinks he's a student Um, and he and Julie kind of immediately bond 
And Julie ends up writing an article for the paper about Pantherama, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, and they start spending some time together. And that really starts when she sees Matt and Laura or Lauren, um, the new girlfriend, uh, making out in the hall and she goes into the classroom. I also find this scene like she's, she's crying and I'm sorry for that. And she's very sad, but, but but when she like her little monologue, I'm like, what is she even talking about? She's like, (laughs) she's like, she's like this perfect little doll. He's the QB one and she's the cheerleader. And I'm like this interloper. And I'm like, what, what are you saying? Right. talking about and I do understand what she's saying but I was like at 15 16 would I understand what she was saying like what are she talking about um so she comes in and basically cries to the teacher and they you know have a moment not an inappropriate moment but a moment and but then later in the episode Tammy comes into the classroom to talk to him and Julie's in there and they're eating lunch and Tammy's kind of mom's spidey senses go up And later, Julie refers to him as Noah, and Tammy doesn't like that. So there's uh, some stuff that goes on there, but that will be continued later. So Pantherama is some sort of like charity event for the Dillon High School Athletic Program, though I think as we probably all know, most of that money goes to the football program. And uh, Tammy tasks Tyra and Lila with getting the entertainment together for Pantherama. So they end up getting the football players to do a dance. I mean, it's essentially like a striptease, not even like a striptease. It's pretty much a striptease. They pull off their shirts. They pull off their pants. I mean, the whole thing is kind of funny. I obviously have boxers underneath. This is a a network television show, Um, (laughs) but it's like, but um, it is definitely very risque for uh, Tammy and and Eric and and the Dylan Panthers. Um, but we see, you know, Tyra and Lila kind of bond a little bit and work together, kind of a continuation from last season. Um, and you know, the whole Pantherama thing. So within Pantherama, Matt has to learn a dance and he's practicing the dance when Carlotta, who is, uh, the in-home care specialist for his grandmother catches him and she starts to help him learn the dance. And of course, we can see there's a little folly for each other. Before this, she gets out of the shower and she's coming out of the bathroom in a towel and Matt sees her. And I mean, it's, you know, this, this is one of the storylines you could see coming from like a mile away. Yeah. Um, but there is uh, flirtation starting there, Steph. Yeah. It's, uh, Matt wants the cake. And more cake. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Matt would like all the cake. He's like, you know what? Julie broke my heart. So yeah. I'm like, I think I'm going to go with the super cute cheerleader and have her be my girlfriend. And then I'm super into Carlotta and I'm super into everybody. But um, so they, they really bond in this episode. And then it, towards the end of the episode, he kisses her and she's mm-hmm. caught off guard. And then he feels like kind of an idiot. And then the next morning at breakfast, she like gives him breakfast and then happens to squeeze his shoulder. And then like, he has like that Matt grin on his face, which is really cute. Cause Matt's really cute that way. And, um, that, you know, you can kind of see where this one is going. Um, then another storyline and a really kind of nice storyline. And one that I always liked is, um, so coach Taylor and buddy, of course, want Santiago to play for the football team. And so he sends, him, uh, Coach Taylor sends Santiago to Tammy's office to go over his credits and eligibility and all of that. And it essentially comes out that Santiago's uncle, uncle, who is his legal guardian, has been, you know, MIA for months. And so he doesn't really have anyone taking care of him. He doesn't really have anywhere to live. And so Tammy's priority, of course, becomes changing that. Um, And long story short, uh, the person who steps up who says that he can come live with him and he will be his guardian is Buddy Garrity. And it's a it's interesting because you have Buddy's floundering in right. a different way than Santiago, but so is Santiago. And Buddy's made serious mistakes in his family and serious mistakes with his kids. And I think he kind of looks at this as an opportunity to do some good and be a positive influence. Um So he ends up moving Santiago into his place 
and they get his room ready. And of course, there's that moment that's um, sad. The guy who wrote the review in 2007 thought this was a little bit cheesy, but I thought it was really sweet. Um, and Buddy keeps apologizing. I'm sorry, the bed isn't bigger. It was for Buddy Jr. Um, and Santiago says it's the first real bed he ever had. And that got yeah, me. I know. It's that it's shocking that, you know, for these kids, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't know, it's shocking, but it's, I don't know if it m- makes me, it makes Buddy likable again, because I think he realizes that. And I think deep down, he's a good guy. He's just, you know, makes bad decisions. <laughs> he makes, well, it's, you know, like we always talk about, he's Tim. He's the older yeah. version of Tim. And different um but they are at their core good people who mm-hmm. have a tendency to make bad decisions and selfish decisions uh, and don't always think through the consequences of their actions and pay for it definitely pay yeah. for it but at their core they're good people and Santiago is you know a good kid who was who's had really bad circumstances and has been forced to make bad choices because he didn't have a lot of other choice. And so I think you kind of see an, you see an opportunity here. Um, And I think Buddy sees an opportunity. He of course wants him on the football team as his coach Taylor, but I think they also see an opportunity to maybe change the course of Santiago's life for the better. Um, Cause he's been in juvie twice and he can't afford to get in trouble again. And, you know, so um, it's a, it's an, it's a nice relationship that develops and um, we see we see that play out over the next several episodes. Um, and then we have our good friend, the Smash. So it's it's recruiting week for uh, for all these high school football players. There are colleges in town, many a college and university, and they're recruiting players. And the episode opens with Smash's, you know, the phone ringing at the house in the morning and his sister being like, I'm because he's keep telling her to tell people to take a message. And she's like, yeah, I'm not your assistant, but thanks. Um, and, uh, this becomes a thing because obviously smash smashes goals are to go to a big division one school and go pro by the end of his like sophomore, junior year, uh, and be a successful NFL football player. His mom really wants him to get a good education. And, uh, he's offered an academic scholarship from a historically black college and Smash wants no part about it of it and isn't really all that super nice about it. But because he's like, my priority is not my education. Um, and in the middle of this, Smash meets a girl whose older brother uh, graduated when Smash was a sophomore. And he goes to, what is it called, Seth? Miami Southern? Isn't that the name of that fictitious yeah. school? Mm-hmm. So he goes to Miami Southern. Um, and his sister, Noelle, kind of becomes part of Smash Smash's recruiting process because she's been through it. And so now Smash looks at her as someone who knows and his mother does not know. Um, and his mother is very concerned about the entire thing uh, and, again, is really focused on Smash's education. Smash is like, I just want to play football. And she comes to see Coach Taylor and says, you know, you're – you said you would have this under control. And he's like, you know, whatever, we're doing the best we can and I can give guidance, but I can't force him to make the decisions, you know, that you or I might want him to make. And she says, um, you know, his father could, she called him a trifling man. And she said he couldn't be counted on to come home. He couldn't be counted on to be faithful. He couldn't be counted on to bring his check home, but he could be counted on to talk to Brian and be there for smash when he needed him. And so she says to him, and this is something I think I really appreciate this line. Cause I think it's something we talk about a lot with the show. Mm-hmm. And she says to him, I'm not asking you to be his daddy, but I am here to, to remind you he doesn't have one. Mm-hmm. And that was a, I thought that was kind of a very powerful poignant line, not only about smash, but about so many of these players, Tim's father, we've seen him. He's not much help. Matt's father is in Iraq. Like, you know, these people, these kids really Mm -hmm. depend on him. Santiago's situation, you know, so these kids really depend on him. Um, So then later in the episode, he does see Smash with a, uh, someone from this Miami Southern University at, I believe, the Applebee's. And Coach Taylor does remind them that he can't pay for Smash's lunch and, you know, or dinner or the whole thing. And so he does have have a conversation with Smash. Um, Mm -hmm. 
and it's, I think, you know, a, a good, helpful conversation. You know, I was thinking in this episode too, like, lest we forget coach Taylor and smash have quite the bond because of the steroids. Right. And he's the only one that knows that. And coach Taylor, you know, he worked really hard to make sure smash would still have the future he wants. So he wants smash to be very careful and diligent in picking what that future holds. Yeah, for sure. It's a, uh, it, it's interesting because I think what some of these kids fail to understand, they're like, well, what's the big deal? It's just lunch or dinner or whatever it is, or it's just this or just that. But if you lose everything over it, it's a big, yeah. it's a gigantic deal. And so it's, you have to get them to see things a little bit further than the, just the moment, just the right now. And it's hard because for some reason, kids, especially at that age, you know, it's tough to hear it from your mom. But if you hear it from a coach, it's going to say, this is going to ruin your chance to go here or there. That's important. So, um, you know, I, I, I appreciated the way Coach Taylor, like, talked to him and kind of he knew that he, since he didn't have a father, but they were he he is father figure like so yes it's important and we saw let's not forget earlier in the season when coach taylor was at tmu he had to accompany the player who got in trouble because he went to the justin timberlake concert Mm -hmm. and got those tickets from an agent so you know then he had he was suspended a few games but coach taylor had to go with him to to talk to the ncaa and so you know he's seen it Mm -hmm. and he's and so he's giving him advice not just for this but for everything Right. And for the future. And I think, you know, that doesn't come up, but I thought about it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is, so Noel, who is the young lady that Smash um, really likes, has taken a liking to. Um, and this is important because this becomes an important thing that, again, has that's what this episode really does have. But again, this person at the time did not know that in 2007. But there's things in this episode that affect long term. So Noel is white and Smash is black and they start dating and this becomes an issue later and it becomes something happens. So just keep that in mind because Smash's mom says to him, is this about the white girl you brought to dinner? And Smash says, no, it's not even like that. This is about my future. This is what I want. And But their relationship becomes a very big storyline um, and like a very important storyline. Uh, and so things happen through this relationship. So just when you, we first meet Noel, it's just, you guys, I just, Steph and I have the benefit of having seen the future of the show. And so I just like, I think we, when we first meet Noel in this episode, it's like, Oh, smash likes Noel. And she's helping him with recruiting stuff and cute, right. you know, but it ends up things happen down the road. Um, that also affect smash's future. So something to keep an eye on, guys. Yes, yes. it's uh, fun. It's, uh, it's We are getting we are. into the, you know, nuts and bolts of it. And what, we are. The- and we are in small town Texas. Right. Um, so it's something to remember. And that all of the, I think the thing is, and we've talked about before, like every choice they make on the show when they write this stuff, like mm-hmm. they have a plan and you can oh, yeah, see sure. it. Um, yeah. So sorry, Steph. I didn't mean to to cut you off there. No, it's just it's it's good. It's but it, it's interesting because there's like always like a duality. There's you know not just what's happening, but there's the future, whether it be mm-hmm. in football or the family or the education or you know. So there's always the choices can you know just impact the you know later in life, and so it's you know, everyone's like, oh well, what's the big deal here or there? Or her, you know, hanging out with the English teacher and what's appropriate or not. It's just, it's just interesting to me because um, you can kind of see that throughout the show. So it's a, keep your eye on it. (laughs) Keep your eye on it. And what happens to Smash is really unfair and really upsetting. And I think um, as we've talked about before, this show tackles, no pun intended, issues. And it was tackling issues in 2006 and 2007 that we are nowhere near being done tackling today. So I always think that's kind of interesting as well. Um, All right, Steph. Well, before we go, we, of course, have to do Fangirl Says Who's Hot, Who's Not. Steph, why don't you go first? All right. So my 
fangirl who says he's hot is definitely Giannis Antetokounmpo. He got his max deal at five years, so he is going to remain a Milwaukee Buck. So Milwaukee fans can cheer forever because there was talk that he was leaving. So it's good to see him. And I'm glad he got paid. You know, he's one of those players that I think deserves it. And he's a nice guy. So he is on my hot Good good combo. We like that. Good combo. <laughs> Who is your not hot? My not hot, you know, I'm going to go, um, ooh, you know, I'm going to go with Carson Wentz. He just, I feel bad for him. I was pulling for him, but he's just not hot. He's not. It's been, it's been sad. Uh, it's definitely been sad to, to watch it. Uh, my who's hot is going to be Lamar Jackson. Uh, after the cramps or whatever was going on with him, whatever his reason. So he insists it was just some, some cramping there. Uh, the way he just trotted back out in the field and, you know, threw that touchdown pass and like, it's no and big that, deal. Like it was no big deal. Like literally like it was just nothing. So like he had just ran out to grab a sip of water and now he's back. So, uh, he is my who's hot and you know what? My who's not hot is going to be, um, from Friday Night Lights, and it's going to be the next door neighbor for, as we said earlier, it was one thing to make the mistake and oh, sleep yeah. with high school Tim Riggins, but then it was another thing that to then decide dating his brother was a good idea. So I feel like that was not hot. No, it wasn't. That's that. There's my not hot. Um, and with that, you guys, we will be back next week. If you like what you heard, and I'm sure that you did, please make sure to leave us a five star review and make sure to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. Bye, everybody. Sports Opinions with a Side of Satire. We're the First and Tens, a weekly show delivering the spiciest opinions on football, life, and especially each other. And we can do that because we've been best friends for so long. I'm Amy. And I'm Jasmine. First and Tens will bring you sports from the female perspective while also injecting pop culture, fashion, and music into our daring dialogue. We're saucy, edgy, and most of all, we, we think, think we're, we're funny, funny AF. First and Tens, light on stats, heavy on sass. Follow us at firstandtenspodcast.com.